We have so much to be thankful for. You're in Psalm 100 this morning. I encourage you to find the 100th Psalm and stand in God's honor. As I read aloud his word. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. God, we join with the psalmist this morning. May we express your worth to you. As we look at the importance of worship, serving you. Father, of being thankful to you and knowing you are God and we are your people. Father, I just pray that you continue to move in this place here. We want to know you. We want to see you. So, Father, speak to us because that only happens as your spirit makes things come alive. Bring life to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A number of years ago, there was a study done, and here was the deal. Uh, to meet the criteria, you had to be at least 95 years old. So they asked people 95 years old and above, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? Well, there were a number of answers, but three answers rose to the top. The first thing that was said that came to the top is that I would um, think more, ponder more, meditate more, be more thoughtful. So often we're in such a rush and we're moving from this place to that place, but we don't stop and really ask a question. What am I doing? We're just on the run. And I, I thought of a couple of verses that's off the scripture. One is... Um, Proverbs 19, verse 2. And in Proverbs 19, verse 2, it, it talks about the fact that in our, in our rush to move from place to place, we miss, we miss God. It says, how much more will hasty feet miss their way? And in that moving without says in Proverbs 14, 15, that the simple, the simple will also miss God. But without thinking, they just rush in and they, they, they miss what they were seeking and what they were ultimately looking for. Secondly, um, not only would they ponder more, would they think more they said they would risk more 
It's so easy to play it safe, but when you play it safe, you never know what you could have had. You never know what you might have been able to do. Made me think of in Matthew chapter 25. Um, I know in the NIV it talks about the master came and handed out bags of gold. He handed one guy five bags of gold, handed another guy two bags of gold, and the third guy one bag of gold. And he said, I want you to take this, and I want you to use it for me. So the guy with, you know, guys know the story, the guy with five bags of gold, he went out and he was able to produce five more bags of gold. And the guy with two bags of gold, he went to work and was able to produce two more bags of gold. And the guy with one bag of gold said, man, I'm just going to lose this bag of gold. I'm just going to bury it. That way I'll at least have the one bag of gold to give back to my master. Then when they all returned, the first two guys got praise from the master. He said, you've been at work. But the third guy said, man, what are you doing burying the gold? The least thing you could have done was put it in the bank and got a little bit of interest. And boy, it's a little bit these days. But, you know. but And so he criticized him instead of offering him praise. He said, you should have taken what you had and you should have used it for me. And, and we have to be careful that we don't let life just pass us by and we miss the opportunities that God may be giving to us to grow in him and to be useful for him. And then there was one more guy. <laughs> they said, if I could live my life over again, I would seek to live for things that outlive me. Not just for the moment. Not just to get attention for myself. Not just to earn a few more bucks. But for that, it's going to outlive me. And of course, we know in Christ, it's, he tells us, he says, where... Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So where's our treasure? Are we living just for here? Or are we living for more? You know, there are three responses to our God. And we're going to look at four responses that the psalmist shares with us. If we're going to seek our God, if we're going to follow our God. But there are three responses every person can have the first response is we can ignore him the bible says in psalm 14 verse 1 the fool says in his heart there is no god so that's ignoring god i'm going to live as if god doesn't exist and i'm going to make all my decisions on the basis that there is no god and so to ignore him whether we realize it or not, is to live as if he's not there. Second choice is to abhor him. Some people live with a chip on their shoulder, and they're angry. And if you even mention God, they get all twisted and upset and want to attack you. And then there's a third response, it's possible, and that is to adore him. adore him and to worship him to come before his presence but we have to be careful that we don't get confused and think you know just showing up to church a 
couple of times a year or, you know, doing our checklist of, well, I'm a good Christian because I do the A, B, C, D, E, you know, and that's all that God wants. And yet to adore him is to be a way of life. One guy said it like this. A Christian is someone who feels sorry on Sunday for what he did on Saturday and will do again on Monday. Christian, come up here over here. It is full surrender. So you say, well, how in the world can I have full surrender? I don't know. I'm still trying to get there. Because it starts every morning. And when I fall down, he's there to pick me back up for a chance to surrender to him. And so let's look at these four responses this morning. The first one is worship. Look how the psalm starts out. He says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. So, it's to shout. It's not to be ashamed. It's not to be quiet. But it's to have a bold confidence in our God. The, the picture here is that you trust your king. It is a, a picture of the subjects of the king entering into the presence of the king. And there's such a confidence in the king that they cannot help but shout out in the presence of the king. I love my king. I trust his king with my life. And I believe in his reign that he will bring us victory that he cares about us, and that he deserves my full surrender and my allegiance. That is the picture here. Matter of fact, um, well, it depends on what translation you're looking at. It's either 17 or 18 times it is mentioned in the scripture, shout to the Lord. And I just want to mention three real quickly. Uh, the first one is found in Numbers chapter 23, and it is where Balaam, the false false prophet is hired by King Balak to curse Israel, God's people. But when he prepares to give out that curse and uh, earn the money that he was promised, something else comes out <laughs> as God speaks to him. And he says instead, the Lord their God is with them and a shout of a king is among them. As he looked out, he heard from God. And God said something really cool. These people have within them a shout. Stored up within them. Ready to come out to praise me. The second, Joshua chapter 6. You know, remember the great story of Jericho. And what a great conquering armor, army. Uh, they prepare to do battle by marching around the place and singing praise to God. And we know what happens. The walls are come a-tumbling down, as it says in the kids' version that we sing, right? Um, it, here's what the scripture says uh, as they prepared for victory. Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And then one more of the examples of the 17 or 18 is found in 1 Samuel. God's people are fighting the Philistines. And so they decide that they want to have the Ark of the, of the Lord into the capital city. And so the Ark of the Lord is brought into the capital. And when the Ark of the Lord is brought into the capital, they begin to shout. Here's what the scripture says. When the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly, the earth shook. 
And we're talking, <laughs> we're talking some excitement. And the Philistines said, what is all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And then they learned the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So what did this signify? The people were afraid as they thought about the Philistines, as they thought about how powerful they were. But when the ark of the Lord came into the camp, instead of seeing the enemy, they saw the king. And that made all the difference. It elicited within them a shout of victory because they saw the one who brings victory. Charles had Spurgeon said, Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A cheerful people is in keeping with his nature and his acts. And then he tells us in the second, uh, the, the next part of, of the scripture, the next verse, that we are to come before him with joyful songs. Uh, I know in the King James, it's make, you know, make a joyful noise. And sometimes we hesitate to sing. Why? Why do we hesitate to sing? Well, let me just throw out a couple of possibilities. Some may say, well, I'm just not a good singer. I might kill the worship in that place if they hear me instead of bring about real worship. Some of you may be tempted to say, I should sing solo, solo nobody can hear me. But it's not, it's not merely about the quality of your voice. It's about the praise inside of you, of our king, that has to come out. And, and so in singing, it, it, it's, it's not about only what we hear, it's about what he hears. When you sing before him, as one guy said, if God's given you a good voice, use it in worship. If he's given you a bad voice, give it back to him in praise, right? Um, another reason, you might say, well, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel good. I don't want to do it. Sound great. Well, do you do that with work? Well, you know, sometimes that bed just wants to hug you tight. Doesn't want to turn you loose in the morning. And you think, I just don't want to get out. I really like it here. But the problem is, if I hang out in this bed for four or five hours, my boss may hang me out to dry. If I'm not willing to work, then there may not be a job for me. And so we can't just act on how we feel. Because sometimes how we feel is not what we need. Sometimes we need to act instead upon what we need to do instead of merely how we feel about it. Third, uh, some may say, well, I'm just not the emotional type. I mean, after all, I'm a Baptist. I don't get happy for Jesus. Some places it's more like First Church of the Frigidaire than it is a warm heart for our living God. But here's the thing. Maybe what we need to do is stop back and think about the audience. Sometimes when we come here, um, we say, well, the people up on stage, you know, they're the ones who are, who are doing the work, and we're the audience. We're the ones that are watching. But the truth of the matter is, man, you guys aren't here to see me or Logan or the praise band or, you know, any of the musicians. We're, he's the audience. He's the one who deserves our attention. He is the one we are singing to. It's Him. 
He's the one who deserves our full attention. In Revelation chapter 5, there is a picture of singing. And it says that a loud voice of praise was before the Lord <laughs> as, as they sang with hearts. Now, secondly, not only was there worship, but the call was to serve. Now, in some translations, like uh, here in the NIV, it says worship the Lord in verse 2. Uh, well, in verse 2. In the older version I have here, <laughs> 1978, uh, it says serve the Lord with gladness. Actually, the, the two words are almost interchangeable. The picture here is that you worship while you serve, and while you serve, you worship. Made me think of Colossians 3.17, and it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is nothing that we do that should not come from a heart of worship. That, that is the point that is being made here. You see, our, our God, He's not interested in just fans. He's interested in followers. And although we are to be a people of emotion, it is not just the emotion. As I said, it's not how high you jump, but how straight you walk once you land on your feet. The picture here is not just emotion, it is motion. Sometimes when we do not have the feelings, we are called to serve and so that God will give us feelings for someone else. I can't tell you how many times I have felt God wanted me to do something and I started to argue with him. Isn't that stupid? Why do you want to argue with God? He doesn't know what he's doing. God says, I really want you to do this. And I'm thinking, man, I don't want to do that, Lord. And so I grumble a little bit. But uh, thankfully, now I don't want to talk about the times I may not do it. I want to talk about the times I do do it, okay? I can't tell you how many times I didn't realize what a blessing was awaiting me. But in order to gain that blessing, I had to step out and serve. I had to push my feelings aside and I had to look at the need and I had to step out and serve. And sometimes some of the greatest acts of worship come when we serve someone we don't want to serve because they are not really the ones we're going to serve. Yes, we're serving them, but it is because we're serving Him. And He gives us that heart of worship, of service. Remember Martha? Martha and Mary and Martha was doing all the work. And Martha was grumbling, moaning. And here's what she said to Jesus. Uh, verse 40 of Luke 10. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. There's so much that has to be done. Nobody's doing this work. I gotta. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Tell her to get her sorry self up and get to work. I shouldn't have to be the one doing all this stuff, Lord. That's what she was saying. And she was thinking Jesus would say, Mary, that's not what happened. <laughs> that wasn't the response. Here's the response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away. 
You chose to worship instead of wine. Serve the Lord with gladness. What what may be? Well, remember Jonah. God called Jonah. And Jonah didn't exactly respond with gladness. What? Those knuckleheads? Those evil people? Lord, your judgment needs to come to them. Lord, you need to hack them to pieces. That's the kind of stuff they do, Lord. Lord, 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 Lord. So he headed the opposite direction. God got his attention getting swallowed by a big fish. You all know the story. <laughs> he, even when he preached, his heart really wasn't in it, but thankfully the Lord was in him. And God brought revival to that place. And you know, it's still true today among God's people. Oh man, sometimes it's like, Lord, do I really want to serve you with gladness? No, not really. Oliver Wendell Holmes said uh, there was a time in his life that he thought about being a, a preacher, clergyman, minister of the cloth. He said, but when he looked around him, he said, they look too much like undertakers. Wearing black and being all solemn, serious. You know, he said, man, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Praise God, that is not what the call of God means, that you have to look like you've been sucking on pickle juice. It's not that way. God gives us his joy, serving with gladness, right? Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that word in NIV, cheerful, man, it means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Man, you're just a nut giving away stuff. <laughs> God honors that. It's serving God with, with gladness. Um, sometime back in a Boston newspaper, uh, there was an article about a lady who was a maid, and she had cleaned um, offices for 40 years. And the writer of the article had asked her, Man, that sounds so boring to do that same task over and over again every day for 40 years. How could you possibly have survived such a monotonous task? And here's her response. I love this. She said, I don't get bored. I use cleaning materials that God made. I clean objects that belong to people that God made. And I make life more comfortable for them. My mop is the hand of God. My mop is the hand of God. And you may think, well, what do I do? Whatever it is, guys, it is the hand of God. God can use what little bit we have and what little bit that we offer him as his hand to touch lives. Now, let's look at another one here. Um, we are to love God intelligently. Look at verse 3 of our text. It says, Know that the Lord is God. Now, to know, you know, it's just what you think. To grow in an understanding of. To be able to properly perceive who He is. To get to know our God. Uh, remember the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Uh, more than anything, He says the priority is knowing. Get to know who I 
am. Remember in Romans 12, <laughs> he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stop the stinking thinking and begin to think in agreement with God. What do you, what do you see? A couple other verses. Hosea chapter 1, verse 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. How many people in our culture are miserable and it seems that their families and their lives and their loved ones and their work, everything is falling apart. Why? There is a lack of knowledge. They do not know God. They do not know who He is. They do not know the offer that He has. Eternal life. Life that is full. Life that is abundant. They do not know that. Second Peter 3.18 Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, that's where life is. That growth. Getting to know Him. It doesn't end. I love it in Amazing Grace, right? When we've been there 10,000 years. We're still not going to fully know Him, are we? It's a continual quest to get to know our great God. Um, it's, there's only one God. Uh, you know, there are some faiths that believe there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of gods. But we know that the scripture declares the Lord is one. He is our God. And he is displayed in the Trinity. That stuff gets so deep I can't fully fathom it. But what I do know is that he is our God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Our God that has called us and that loves us. So what's the scripture tell us? Well, first, it tells us uh, that we need to know his lordship. Look in uh, verse 3. It says, it is... He who made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Man, there is no one else like our God. I love what the little boy said in Sunday school. <laughs> they asked him to pray. And he said, dear Lord, thank you for mommy and daddy. Thank you for all those people that love me. Thank you for the teachers and those who cook me yummy food. But dear God, more than anything... Take care of yourself, because if something happens to you, we're all sunk. <laughs> he is our hope. Like Peter said, where else can I go? Lord, you are the one who has the words of life. You are life. So there's lordship. Secondly, there's craftsmanship. It is he who made us. Man, just the marvel. We talked about this some a couple of weeks ago as you look at the human body. Just a couple of quick facts here. Uh, our brains have hundreds. A hundred billion cells in them. I can't even fathom all of that, but our little brains have a hundred billion cells. Our skin has two million tiny sweat glands to regulate our body temperature. Man, it's just deep stuff. Our heart is such a good pump that it pumps through the arteries which return through the veins and it, the blood travels through 168 million miles every day. Wow, it is he who made us. No wonder it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Of course, let me ask a question. If you believe it's just evolution, that God didn't make you, but you know, you, you went from goo to the zoo, you know, kind of thing. Um, let me ask you a question about evolution. If evolution is true and that we evolved according to, to what is needed in life, 
so that we can be successful. Why do moms only have two arms? Men, they need about 15 with all that they do. <laughs> if ever, okay, one more here is ownership. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We're his. We belong to him. We belong to him. Um, not only are, are we his work, and not only do we belong to him, what about redemption? Not just creation, but redemption. You were bought with a price. Jesus died for you. He bought you back. You were slaves to sin, but he bought you back. That is the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, Don't worry, that's another sermon I can get into. I'll, I'll refrain myself. <laughs> Uh, back on to Revelation chapter 5, part of that glorious worship song. He said, You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, kindred, tongue. And oh Lord, you bought us back. That's why in Romans 8, Paul is able to say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He holds us tight, guys, with a firm grip that no one can break loose. Okay, i got to move to this last point. Mine. <laughs> Thank God consistently. Look, look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His truth continues, or his faithfulness continues through all generations. Um, we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're to come into this place with hearts that are full because we've, we've caught a glimpse of our king. And, and we're reminded of redemption. We're reminded of that he sustains us, that, that our heart's beating, that our, our lungs are able to get oxygen and get rid of the carbon dioxide, that, that God just takes care of us moment by moment. And we have so much to be thankful for. So we enter this place with thanksgiving because, man, he's blessed us. He has blessed us. So at least three reasons by this psalm as we end the psalm to be thankful. Number one, look at it in our text. It says because the Lord is good. Man, he's good all the time, all the time. God is good. Now, I love that, as uh, Gracie had shared in her children's sermon, I thought so often about 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, because it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm grateful for certain prepositions. I'm grateful it doesn't say, Give, th give thanks for all things. Because, man, there's some stuff that stinks. But he says, give thanks in those circumstances. Why? Because he's got something planned you can't see. S something you don't understand. But one day you will. So we can give thanks in those circumstances that we do not want to be stuck in. Because he has not forgotten us. He's good. Uh, next, he's merciful. He's merciful. He says his love or his mercy, his loving kindness, it endures forever. Man, I've always loved that. Man, I'll blow that day. You know what? Even if you have a lousy day, even if you were a stinker for the king, even if your dear daddy, you know, man, if he could, he would wear my bottom out because I've been a bad boy. 
is tomorrow. But mercies are new every morning. Just good stuff. And then one last one here. His faithfulness continues to all generations. His faithfulness continues. You know, we are in such a crazy time now. and I look at our nation and it, it seems like there are a lot of people that just want us to be mad at each other. It seems like they want us to constantly fight and tear each other down. Every time I cut on uh, social media or TV or man there's just reasons for somebody to be mad at somebody else. But guys that, this is not the worst time in our nation. It looks like that there is this push to push us all apart as a nation if we're going to be good. Uh, you know what? They cut us Americans. We all bleed red. We all bleed red. If you go back to the first Thanksgiving, we think we had it bad. History tells us that there were seven graves dug for every house that was built. In other words, seven people were dying for everyone who was seeking to start a new life in the United, what would be the United States. And yet, out of all that misery, out of all that sickness, out of all that starvation, out of all that fear, out of all that anxiety, you know what they did? They came together and they said, we need to have a day of thanksgiving. We need to say, God, thank you for the blessings that we have, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Even in the midst of that, they said we need to worship. We need to serve. We need to love. And we need to thank our God. And so George Washington declared that we'd have a day of thanksgiving in this country because of the goodness of our God. And both branches of Congress agreed wish they'd agree about a lot more stuff, but I'm grateful they agreed about that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this time of year that we reflect. Lord, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. I pray, God, that this morning we would take time to reflect and say, God, thank you for going to the cross for me, for forgiving me. And if someone is here and hasn't accepted that gift of eternal life uh, the work done at calvary and personally received now's the time for that just man what a great time to say thank you lord <laughs> thank you for receiving me uh, father for others of us that lord we're too focused on those circumstances and not focused enough on the god who is with us in those circumstances god give us a sense of your presence Lord, if we're depressed, if we're down, if we feel defeated, Father, I pray that you place within us that shout of victory because not of the circumstance, but the King who is over us and our circumstances. Father, I just pray for that. I, I pray with an altar that's open that if any need to come and to pray and to just put their hearts open before you, that that would occur. God, we just want to worship you this morning. Father, we want our lives to reflect you. And, of course, as we leave this place, our desire is to worship, to serve, to know you, and to thank you in it all, Lord.
because we trust you. So move among us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray.